0: Hey, Adam here from the C-Lab podcast. Are you finding the show valuable? We really hope you are. And if you are, think about how you found us in the first place. We would really appreciate your help getting the word out about our show and helping us fulfill the mission to find the others in customer education. There are two ways you can do that. One is leaving us a great five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us get the word out and the algorithms love it. Uh, The other way is to write a post on LinkedIn, Twitter, or your social network of choice talking about the C-Lab podcast and how it's helped you. Those two things would really help others discover the podcast and get the same value out of it that we really hope you're getting too. Alright, on to the show. Welcome to C Lab, the Customer Education Lab. My name is Adam Evermescu, and we are doing a really fun mini episode today, uh, part of a series, in fact, where Uh, We are talking to people who have either made the transition into customer education, are making the transition into customer education, or uh, perhaps other permutations of not being in customer education and then later being in customer education. So I am very excited to welcome uh, today's special guest, Monica Sindwani. Hi, Monica.
1: Hey, Adam. How's it going?
0: Good. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you for inviting me on this podcast. I'm really excited to talk about my journey and my experience.
0: Yeah, really excited to have you on today. And I know that you've done some talking in, in the past about how you've made the transition into customer education. But before we get into all the meat of this conversation, uh, why don't you have a quick introduction to yourself for listeners who may not have uh, met you before?
1: Sure. Um, so my name is Monica Sindwani. I am currently um part of the customer success team at AgentSync, but, um, we'll, I was kind of doing customer education on the side, but soon we'll be transitioning to it fully. Um, AgentSync is a startup focused on, um, supporting licensing and carrier professionals in the insurance industry, um, to make sure that they're compliant and up to date. And so what I do at AgentSync is, um, make sure that our customers understand the product and are maximizing the product. Um, Before I was at AgentSync, I was working at the University of Colorado Boulder doing diversity work and recruitment. And then prior to then, I was um, a contractor with the Gates Millennium Scholars Program, um, working with students who received a full scholarship, and I actually started in K-12. So I've kind of jumped quite a bit, but this is my first time out of the education space and now in the private sector.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay, so if I if I got that right, you went from K-12 to nonprofit to higher ed to corporate and now kind of more into customer education. Is that right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So this role kind of encompasses quite a bit of what I've done in the past.
0: Yeah, that's that's really cool. And in fact, is I, I think is a great starting point for our discussion because when we talk to people who are trying to break into customer education they're typically coming from one of those backgrounds. And, and it's really interesting to hear that, you know, you, you've had them all in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, I know, I've done a little bit of everything.
0: So Monica, how, how did you hear about customer education or how did you learn about it?
1: Yeah, so my transition to customer education was um, accidental. I, I spent almost a decade in education, most recently higher education. Um, So I've always loved being in education, but I was really looking for an industry where I could kind of grow a little more and use kind of a different part of my brain and different skill sets. And so when I was at CU Boulder, um, I started to consider different career paths that sort of incorporated things that I enjoyed. Um, Something I had considered was going into marketing, um, doing a lot of what I did was recruit students um, to do our diversity programs. And I had really enjoyed the creativity and the building relationships that went into there. But um, I was having a really hard time finding a job. It had been a couple of years and I was still in the job market. So I started looking, I remember I was looking for something that was like the intersection of what I enjoy and what was marketable. Because at the time I decided that I didn't want to be in that position again. I really wanted skills that I knew would. Helped me pivot into the next career. And that's where um, I stumbled upon Salesforce. Um, our university used Salesforce. And so I became the power user of my department and really started to grow my skill set there. And I got my admin certificate, um, my Salesforce admin certificate, planning on eventually being a Salesforce admin, kind of going that route. Um, and so I started interviewing. And I even remember. Customer like customer education seemed interesting to me. I didn't know about it at the time yet. But when I was studying for my Salesforce exam, um, Salesforce, they have these free certification days, where someone kind of gives you the lowdown and what what will be on the test and, and they walk you through it. It's like a six hour course. And I remember sitting through the course and doing the trailheads. And I was like, I really enjoy doing this, like as a learner, I wonder what it would be like to do this as, you know, like a career. So as I was considering my career after education, I didn't know it was customer education at the time, but I was like, something around product training seemed really interesting. I always loved um, teaching Salesforce to my department and, you know, sharing the importance. And so when this opportunity at Agency came up, uh, one of the reasons that I was hired was because I had, had helped out at the university share... Um, some learning around how to use our specific Salesforce org and they needed help with their help center. And so um, when I got hired, I was hired as customer success and customer support. We were a super small startup at the time I was the 30th employee. And so everyone was doing a little bit of everything. And so I sort of like took this on as my project um, revamping the help center. And then from there I was kind of like, Oh, I wish there was a way that we could, have like a structured help center where we could show people where to start and then where to go. And that's where, you know, I I realized that we needed an academy and I started working on our academy courses and then webinars. And from there, a lot of um, what I had built was a little bit of self-taught. And then I found the customer education community. And that really kind of helped me realize like this could be an industry, like this could be something I could do that really utilized some of the skills I had. Learned in the past.
0: Okay, this is really interesting, Monica, and I want to unpack part of your your story here because in those different phases that you described, I, I I've met a lot of people who are in one of those phases, but it's really interesting hearing you put them all in context. So maybe let's let's start from closer to the beginning when you were you know thinking about making this pivot and you were taking the Salesforce courses and you thought at that point. Maybe you wanted to be a Salesforce admin and you were doing some internal teaching of software, uh, which, again, is how a lot of people, I think, realize that maybe they want to do something like this. Maybe they want to get into corporate LD, Maybe they want to get into customer education. You don't really know yet. Uh, at the time, did you have a thought or a preference maybe around what sort of training that you were going to do? Did you know you wanted to be doing something in front of customers or, or were you maybe looking at more internal corporate opportunities. I'm, I'm curious.
1: Yeah. Um, I always kind of wanted to do something slightly external facing. Like I would say the customers I work with, they're external, but they're not like, like lead generation, like there are customers. So I consider like kind of a mix of internal and external. And I think it was because, and my, at my last role prior to deciding to, you know, really pursue Salesforce fully, I have been considering marketing as a career, I was really interested in because I really liked that marketing piece. I really like um, the challenge of trying to convince someone to um, take advantage of what I'm offering. And internal L indeed has that as well. But I feel like customer education had more opportunity in that space. So as much as I really enjoy building the content, that's been really hard for me because I haven't been in the K to 12 space. For a very long time, I feel like the skills I've been able to pick up at my prior roles has been that kind of like building out those, that marketing, those drip campaigns, um, because it aligns a little bit more with what I've done. So that's why I was definitely more intrigued with the customer education side. I was more intrigued with the product adoption because I just love like that creativity of building these kind of campaigns.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. So it sounded like you were, you were threading a few things together. One was that, you know, you were, you were enjoying playing around with the tech, uh, you know, as far as Salesforce goes, thinking about being an admin, uh, one was wanting to fuse in a little bit more of a marketing aspect, which, you know, granted every, everyone in, in any form of education has to market themselves and their programs in, in some way. But I I think in customer education, it is dialed up to 11, uh, maybe compared to some other, some other, uh, types of learning roles and then uh maybe the the third one being then kind of infusing uh you know some of your your background in teaching and in education so like when you were thinking oh I could be a, a salesforce admin but perhaps it would actually play more to my skill set to do something that was like part tech part training like that might be your sweet spot am I getting that right
1: yeah exactly and like the admin piece, like part of that was because I think there's a little bit of urgency. I was feeling really restless because I had been searching for a really, I mean, I'd been looking for a job for a little while and I just kept hearing that I was missing some sort of like more technical skill set. And so I had, to, and so I, I had gone through so many interviews for a couple of years and so many times I'd made it to the second round, third round And, and then if I wouldn't get the job, I kind of felt a little bit lost because I wanted to leave my industry, but I felt like I didn't have something tangible to look to. And so I had made this decision that I'm not going to look for jobs for a little while and build this technical skill just to open some doors and then decide later what I wanted to do. So part of it, like part of it, I just felt like I had to like put aside what I really wanted to do and be a little more realistic. Cause I was like, I can't be looking for jobs forever. I felt like I was kind of throwing my resume out there. And so part of the admin piece was I also wanted some like some career direction coming from so many different industries. I felt like I had such a unique career, but you know, with that, sometimes your, your future path is very like ambiguous and that that brings its own level of stress. And I also wanted something a little more, um, sort of like linear.
0: Yeah. Well, and and it sounds like ironically that that decision to take a step back and focus a little bit on skill building, maybe maybe take a little bit more of that oblique step, ended up opening a door that you didn't even expect it to open, which was then seeing Salesforce's customer education program and realizing, oh, there's there's something like this that I also can do, even though in the role that you're you're in, you know, you were you were kind of coming into this like jack of all trades, I'm doing a little bit of support, a little bit of success, a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of academy.
1: Yeah, totally. And even my company, like at the time, um, they always knew the value in customer education, but they didn't know what that looked like. And so starting to do more research on it, I was like, there's so much we could do. And I didn't even realize because at first I was like, I'm gonna make this help center great. And then after the help center, I was like, let's work on an academy. And then we we did a webinar and we had just really great attendance. And from there, I think that's where we realized that this could really be a really great asset for our company.
0: Yeah. So I'm gonna ask you to go to go back to two points in your journey and, and ask the question, what do you wish you had known at this point? The first one I want to ask you about is when you are going through that, you know, that kind of like reskilling process. You decided you wanted to leave higher ed. You already had your K twelve, your nonprofit background, your your higher ed background, but you knew you wanted to do something else. Uh, I know we have a lot of listeners who are in that position. What do you wish you had known at that point that that you know now, having having been on the other side of it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I wish I would known about the industry, and I wish I had taken some time to really consider um, a career in customer education. I am really glad I pursued something. Technical like Salesforce, I think that you know, like that No matter what I choose to do, that's always going to be an awesome skill. But I think it would have been, you know, it, I wonder what it would have been like if I had known about customer education and sort of honed in on that. And then I wonder if there would have been like more opportunities for me to be open to because at the time, I think I was really focused on finding um, ed tech. Like, I think that's really where I was seeing my transition. Um, I had seen myself as an industry expert and I hadn't considered like some of this, like, you know, I kept hearing that I didn't have certain skills, but had I known about customer education maybe, and maybe learned how to remarket my skills, um, maybe my job search would have gone a little bit differently.
0: That makes sense. So, so when you're looking at, you know, potentially companies that you can go to, I feel like we we see patterns like this where people come out of either, you know, higher ed or or K-12 and respectively, they go to companies that then serve those industries as their customers. So, you know, we talked to like Mike DiGregorio from Top Hat the other day, uh, kind of similar similar story there in terms of all of his customers are uh, professors and, and, you know, instructional designers in higher ed uh, or people who go to companies like Remind or Clever or... Um, I could probably handshake
1: or list yeah, more if I sat down to think about it. Yeah, so many yeah.
0: <laughs> handshake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, I yeah, in fact, I heard Tiffany Taylor from Handshake talk about a similar uh, point in her journey as well. So it's interesting. Like you, you, you feel like you could have opened up your scope of of possibilities beyond just ed tech companies um, earlier in your search.
1: Yeah. And, and I think it would have given me a little bit of confidence because I was really nervous. I mean, I had, it was funny. I I didn't have like job offers for a really long time. And then I was between two and one of them was a education based nonprofit. And I remember thinking like, I should probably go here because, you know, this is what I know. But then like something was really pulling me towards agency. So I decided to go in that direction, but I think it would would have also given me some confidence in my skill set. Um, Another thing I probably would have done is spent some time learning the language around corporate, you know, like switching from public to private sector. There's like a little bit of difference in language and spent some time translating my resume. Um, Just like, Mm. like little things like we called, you know, we had an orientation for our students and, you know, just even calling that onboarding makes a big difference.
0: (laughs) No, you're you're right because like the the more you understand not just the language but I w- I would even add on to that some of the mechanics behind that language like what is a customer life cycle and how is it similar or different to say a, a student life cycle that helps you that helps you be like be more informed about the way that you're approaching the potential job opportunity that you want.
1: Exactly. And I think it would have helped with a lot of my interviews because a lot of times um you know a lot of times I would go through the interview, and I wonder if this is something a lot of our um, listeners experience, I, I would go through the interview, and, you know, I'd be sharing some of my experiences, uh, my professional experiences. And a couple times, people would come back to me and say, like, you know, like, it seems like you're very, um, like, motive, like, I guess, motivated by, like, public good or providing value. And, and like, just so you know, like, this is a company, like not a nonprofit, and. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like I was, I mean, obviously I was very, I am very motivated by that. And and I feel like I get, you know, that satisfaction in customer education, but I, I was, I was just trying to share like kind of what I had done. Um, But I think the way that I was phrasing it made it sound like, like, I really wanted to be like with students and around students. And, and they're like, you know, like, you're not going to be like working with students all the time. And I think like having like that understanding that language and sort of understanding how to talk about my experiences differently would have helped me kind of convey a little better that I didn't need to be with the students all the time to get that satisfaction from teaching. It's just that that's what I had done in the past. Um, I did a mentoring program with Salesforce and they connected me with someone and and she really helped me out with that. And And from there, I had gotten a lot better success in my interviewing.
0: We're gonna have to give a, a shout out to our friends in the Salesforce Trailhead and in the Trailblazer program, because it sounds oh, like yeah. they really played a, a huge instrumental role in in your transition. But the other thing that you're pointing out that I think is really interesting is, you know, again, not not just being able to speak the language of the business, but to show and to demonstrate that you have an understanding of what from your previous experience will translate and how it will translate but at the same time what won't necessarily translate in the same way so you kind of need to have a level of awareness as you're as you're having these interviews about um what will be similar or different but that you really understand ultimately what this job is and and what the day to day will look like and and what will motivate you to do that job not not necessarily the job that you might like presume it is
1: yeah exactly and i think that was a big disconnect. And then the the other piece that I I always advise um, when I have friends and colleagues asking me to switch out of the industry is like like Salesforce was something that I had specifically chosen to do um, because yeah, I I felt like it was like the intersection of what I enjoyed and what I felt like would give me that growth and that job security I was looking for. Um, But I think that everyone kind of has a similar, like a certification that could give them that similar benefit. Um, I have friends who are choosing to pursue their, um, PMP and scrum master or, um, friends who are doing like, um, data analytics, but I think people perceive education to be very soft skill, even though I disagree. I think there's like, you know, it's a hard skill and people don't see that, but sometimes having these like traditionally hard skills, it does give you that edge.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And in fact, there's two things that I want to pull out of that that part of your story. One is that you didn't you didn't just make the effort to kind of abstractly learn about tech or learn the language. You actually went through a customer education program. And what I'm suspecting is that gave you a lot of added context about what you would actually be doing if you were on the other side of that table. So because you took these courses and these certifications through Salesforce Trailhead, you probably now had more of an idea of what it would take to create a deliverable that would work in Salesforce trailhead. And, and I'll pause there because I want to make another, I want to draw out another point, but I'm curious if like, you feel like that, that informed you?
1: Actually, that's a really good point. And I really do think it did. I think, um, well, on one hand it, it really, you know, it it gave me a really good framework of what we could do. On the other hand, I realized there are certain structures that make Salesforce trailhead work really well. And I think it gave me, uh, and like I had to pause and be like, we might not be there yet, but I could see us doing that in the future. Like, I think one of the reasons Salesforce trailhead works so well is because of the economy it creates. And so that also gave me like something very aspirational, I think until we get there, I, at first I felt like I was trying to copy Salesforce Trailhead. Um, but now I'm like, we can get there one day, but right now we should do something a little different. But a lot of what I had thought about and a lot of the motivations I had, I think about that when I when I think about what we're creating.
0: Yeah. And when you were interviewing for this role, and now as you're moving from more of a generalist to uh, a specialist in customer education, you're able to you're, you're able to make those distinctions, it sounds like, in a way that someone who maybe hasn't taken those programs mm-hmm. uh, or hasn't spent a lot of time researching, you know, specifically the customer education industry and best practices and who's doing what well, at least to have that level of, of opinion. Uh, you're, you're coming from just a different and, and probably a more informed perspective where you can talk about the vision. You can also talk about what's realistic. And those are skills that not everyone has who is is transitioning into the field.
1: I totally agree. Like, there are a lot of times I think about my Salesforce studying experience when I think about what I'm building out.
0: Yeah. So, like, I, I think one piece of advice here is if you are trying to transition into customer education specifically, go take a customer education course, take a customer education program, go learn a product, um, because it's going to give you marketable skills in that product. Hopefully, if you're if you're doing something like Salesforce that has a really big economy built around it. Uh, But also, if specifically you want to be in customer education, you will now know more about what customer education looks and feels like, and will have a more informed response to how it's different from the education that you've done in the past. Because this is my second point, and I do see this a lot. I think people who are coming in from K-12 and and from higher ed even, uh, sometimes even from internal L&D, what they're really trying to do during an interview cycle is try to explain either that what they did is legitimate and is hard work. And believe you me, I know that being in a classroom is hard work. In fact, I would say it's probably harder work than anything we do in customer education. Um, But what a hiring manager is looking for isn't like whether the work you did was hard. It's how prepared you're going to be coming in to translate from the thing that you did to the thing that you are going to be doing. Because if you're in the same candidate pool with hundreds of other teachers or hundreds of other uh, the higher education staff, you you need that edge to be able to differentiate the way that you look at this role and how you'll perform in the role versus everyone else who comes from that same background, and it actually has nothing to do with how hard you worked.
1: I completely agree, and the nice thing about coming from those industries, like something I'm really growing in because it's been so long, is you know you can really build good content, you know how to deliver really good content, but there is that enablement piece that um it's like how can i prepare this to be like consumed by someone who might not have to consume it or might not have the time to consume it Mm -hmm. where it was really helpful to have that that salesforce studying experience because i thought about well like what really motivated me why did i do it what responded to me what didn't and then it also kind of now makes me like a little more attuned to like how do i learn my product and then I compare to like, how do I learn a product that we use that I don't need to know, like my product, like, like Gong, for example, like how yeah. do I approach learning Gong versus a product I need to be an expert in? So it also helps you be a little more attuned to how you engage and like how, how your customers might engage with your product.
0: It gives you empathy for the customer. And I love that you just drew that out because I, I think, again, if you're, if you're pivoting, say from Internal L and D, let's use that as an example now, uh, versus higher ed. Like let's say you're pivoting from internal LND to external customer education. A lot of the time what someone would say coming from one role to the other is, look, I get it, this is the same field, it's just a change in audience. And I actually think I think that's true on a superficial level, but it's not necessarily true once you start unpacking all the assumptions about how your job changes when that learning is no longer mandatory when it's not at your company, when you might not have the, the right systems to be able to track who is or isn't using your materials, when you have no control over being able to talk to their hiring managers, any of that, well, that changes the way that you're going to be doing customer education versus how you might've been doing internal education. And I think is the same as true, maybe times 1.5 to 2X if you're coming from higher ed.
1: Oh, totally. And then like 10X if you're coming from K-12.
0: Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So it's like, don't, don't, yes, absolutely, like make your skills applicable and like help the hiring manager understand how what you did will translate to what you're going to do. But I think it's not enough to say I worked hard and I worked hard in this thing that was learning related. Uh, I think you have to have some level of self-awareness about how those skills are going to translate, but also what gaps you're going to have to fill and and how you're going to work to fill them because you are making a career transition. It's not the same job.
1: Totally. It's actually kind of funny. I remember the first time, I had built out this drip campaign for our customers. And I I remember like I opened the open and click, I was looking at the open and click rates and I was really disappointed because they were really low to me. And my, my boss was like, this is actually really good. And I was like, yeah, but, (laughs) but at my old job, like we had like a, like, I remember we had like a ridiculously high open and click rate because I worked at a diversity program and the students had to like complete a set of requirements in order to mm-hmm. get their scholarship. And so I was like telling my boss about this and he was like, he's like, you realize you literally paid them to open your emails. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's true.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or like, was, like <laughs> you're doing like, like sales enablement or something and you're running to hundred percent completion because that's the mandate from, from the business. And you're like, Oh yeah, I'm not going to get a hundred percent completion on my Academy course that I'm delivering for free to the public or something.
1: Yeah. Who probably have a million things going on who like, may or may have not wanted to like take this on their plate. So like you, I really have to consider like, okay, like what is their mental state right now? Like what, what do they need to know at this moment? Like I can't give them too much. I can't give them too little.
0: Yeah. Which, which is still analysis, right? If you, if you want to use Addy as your framework, that is still analysis of your audience. Um, but is going to inform the way that you approach the the job and the deliverables, I think, in, in kind of a fundamentally different way than you would if you were doing it for a different audience where it was either mandatory or, uh, you know, I, I love the example that you brought up earlier where you're literally paying them to complete the course. Um, it's just a very different set of assumptions. So I, lo- I love that you keep going back to, to customer empathy here.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's funny. Like some days I feel really good. I mean, it's still a career switch. Some days I'm like, Oh man, this is so hard, but yeah. I'm like, maybe, maybe I should have gone back, but all in all, it's been a really fun switch and I've really enjoyed it.
0: So, so let me, let me ask you one more question then about what you wish you had known. Cause you're making now a second transition or a third or a fourth, depending on how many transitions you want to count from your earlier days. But you're now making one from kind of more of a support oriented generalist into a customer education focused specialist. Uh, we have many accidental instructional designers who come from the support world, or maybe they're uh, customer success managers who are really good at doing what they're doing or, or really good at teaching customers. And now they want to do it full time. Um, what advice or recommendations do you have to someone who is making that particular switch? Oh,
1: that's a good question. Um, I'm still figuring it out. So I'm open to advice. Mm -hmm. But I guess something that's been really helpful to me is I spend a lot of time um, looking at what other companies are doing, but then also seeing what we do well. And I'm realizing, you know, I'm very um, research oriented. I spend a lot of time looking at our customer insights, but I'm also learning that sometimes I have to trust my gut too. Um, and, and so that's something I'm really working on is if, if I'm, if I think something is good for our customers doing it, even if I don't feel like I have like hundred percent of the research or a hundred percent of the insights. Um, and if it's some, and then I, I guess another thing I'm thinking is, you know, like there's that ideal state and then what our customers need now. And I think not being scared to do what our customers need now Um, and finding people, finding resources, the customer education, um, customer education group has been amazing to see if someone's doing something similar and um, not being scared to reach out. Um, So like, for example, I'm looking into doing webinars again, lots of webinars. And while I didn't see that as my ideal state at first, I'm seeing that that's what our customers need. And I found someone in the customer education group kind of who does amazing webinars for their customers. And I just reached out to her. So I think like not being scared to do what your customers need, even if it's uh, not what you see in your ideal state and then not being scared to reach out for it or like stepping back, I guess would be a better way to say it. I mean, it's funny when you do these, some days you feel like, Oh, I'm killing it. And some days you're like, oh, I need to step back. I'm so behind. And now that you've had, I was like, now I feel a little better as I'm telling other people to do this so that I don't feel bad. I have to take a step back.
0: <laughs> no, I, and I think like to your point, sometimes you do have to do what's good for your customers right now, especially in the face of not having as much data as you'd like or as much evidence as you'd like or uh, as many other comparable models. Because it's like those three things are ideally going to inform how you structure your program, but you're not always going to have a lot of it. So those three categories would be, number one, actual data that you have about your customers uh, and about your business. But there's a difference between being data-driven and making all your decisions based on data and data-informed, meaning using the data you have available, but then supplementing that with other sources because you're not always going to have all the data you want. Number two is this like evidence-based versus evidence-informed. So what does the research around instructional design and adult learning theory tell us? Uh, do you base all your decisions on that? Well, you can't in customer education because not everything has been tested um, versus evidence informed. Use what's available, use it as best as you can, but make the decisions that are best for your customers. And then the third one being, what are other programs doing? What are the best practices in the industry? Well, to your point, Monica, like you may not have the same ecosystem or job market or customer base, or reach, or funding as another, uh, another company out there. So you might not be able to lift and shift what they're doing in their program and have it work for your customers. So I really love that as a piece of, of takeaway advice. Like sometimes you really do have to do what's right for your customers right now, and you shouldn't necessarily feel like that makes you deficient.
1: Thanks. Now I feel, that, I'm glad we did this today because I was, I was like, oh man, I have to step back. But now, now I feel better about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, think, I think you've just hit on one of, the, one of the existentially hard things about being in customer education. But to your point, there's more people coming in every day. And I love that there are more opportunities for people to connect. So hopefully we'll do uh, more of these episodes with more people who are making the pivot. But uh, before we tap out for this episode, Monica, is there anything else that you'd like to say or, or share with the audience?
1: I think that I have shared all the wisdom I have, um, but if you have any questions, you can find me in the Slack group. Um, but th- Adam, thank you so much for reaching out. This is really fun. Um, and I'm really flattered and excited that you asked me.
0: Yeah, well, I'm so excited that you took the time to, to talk today. Uh, and let's let's share a few resources. The Slack group that you're talking about is customereducation.org, where you can sign up and join a community of customer education practitioners and, and friends of the industry. And then another one that you were sharing with me before we got on this call that I had actually come across recently as well is the podcast Pivoting Out of EDU. Uh, and that's hosted by Drs. Tom Studdard and Jamie Hoffman. So might be a good resource if you are in EDU and looking to make the, the pivot out.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I have not listened to it yet, but I've heard from many colleagues, it's very helpful.
0: All right, folks. Well, Monica, thank you again for joining. This was a, a really insightful conversation, uh, really helpful to hear your perspective. And to our listeners, you know what to do. Please find us on your podcast app of choice, please subscribe. Uh, Please leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to get the word out about our little project here. Uh, And in the meantime, keep it real, keep it classy, keep educating. That's our new catchphrase. Thanks, everyone.
1: (laughs) Bye.